Thanks for um, having me share. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everybody. Um, I like that the stool's here because I feel like I will less awkwardly wander around while I talk this morning. Um, just to give you a little background on me, um, my husband and I have been coming to this church for about a year and a half. Uh, when we started coming here, we had gotten engaged like the week prior, and we were also on a church search. So we've since been, we've lived out our engagement here, we got married. Last December, you might get to see some wedding pictures up here, because who doesn't like wedding pictures at some point? Um, and some of you have asked, so Dora, I delivered. There's wedding pictures for you. Um, I am a fifth grade teacher in San Luis Obispo, and I love it. So talking in front of um, adults is more intimidating for me than talking in front of children, but I'm used to talking in front of people. So yeah, I love slow. I went to Cal Poly, we left for a little bit, we lived in Seattle, and then we came back, um, and we just love it here. So I'm excited to share with you kind of where I'm coming from today is um, to stem off what Chris has been teaching about community in the last couple of weeks. This is kind of what I headed to next in my head after what we've been talking about, and that was a lot of how Jesus uses community to teach us about ourselves and really the place that we need to come at into community um, and how we know ourselves and how we relate to Jesus. Because as much as we have a relationship with each other and, and with our broader community, we also have this really tangible relationship with Jesus, hopefully. Um, and so thinking about that as a form of our community. Last week, um, if you weren't here, or if you were, Chris said, if we don't bring what we have to bring, we're showing Jesus as an amputee, which is a weird visual, <laughs> but uh, kind of was this launching point where I was like, that is the connection to what's been on my heart, um, this idea of we have to bring this full version of ourselves into community and this full version of who God made us. And I love um, when I'm here and listening to a message when kind of all things come together, so the worship connects and then the transition time connects, and I felt like all of those things happened this morning, where the songs that Brie chose were about how deeply um, God loves us. And then Chris was talking in transition about, you know, just how no matter what, God looks at us as these beloved children. And all of those things connect to what I'm going to talk about today. So um, I'm going to speak some light and truth, hopefully, some encouragement into that idea so we can allow Jesus to better kind of engage with us as we engage in community. So uh, before we dive in, I'm going to pray, just so I don't feel as anxious. So... Jesus, uh, thank you for being here in this group of people. Thank you for how deeply you love us. Thank you for um, just your goodness in all situations. I pray that uh, you just empty me of me and fill me with your spirit, that the words that I speak are um, just a picture of you and, and who you are and how you love all the people in this room um, so much, no matter where they're at and where they're coming from this morning, that you would um, just meet them there and that you would allow these parts of my story to encourage them, um, that you would allow them to encourage me, and, and that you would just fill this place with you. So in your name we pray, amen. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of my story first, and then that's going to connect to kind of these important life lessons I've learned. So first slide, Cam, thanks. That's me, 2004. About uh, 10 years ago, when I arrived in San Luis Obispo. And 
I had this very uh, open mind of what was I going to do when I got here? What was I going to do when I came to college? I was raised um, in a Catholic home. My mom took me and my siblings to church every Sunday, and we just did that because that's what we did. Uh, my dad never came. My parents were married, but it was like something we did, and that was that. And my mom wanted us to have faith, but it was kind of this very abstract idea. So I left. I was becoming an adult. I was coming to college, and I was like, so what am I going to do when I get there? And I kid you not, my perspective was, I'm going to do whatever the people I become friends with do. So whoever I became friends with first, I was like, I just am going to need some friends. So like, maybe the friends that I meet will be partiers. And then maybe that's what I'll do, I guess. I had never had a drink of alcohol or anything in my life. But I was like, maybe that's what I'm going to do when I get there. Or maybe I'll meet some people that go to church. And then maybe I'll go to church. Sure, I could do that, I guess. Um, I was this very uncertain, insecure person, I think, who, instead of being effortless, was effortful. Like, everything I did, I was like, I'm just going to do that as best as I can and cross my fingers that that works out great for me. I had no idea what true community was. I moved three times in high school. So I was really good at, like, making friends fast. It's really, I'm really good with names. So I like, I'm going to remember your name, and I'm going to act like we're friends, and it's all good. Um, but I was very much, at this point, operating out of that fear of rejection and loneliness um, that we've been talking about that keeps us out of community, is this idea of, like, someone might reject me, so I'm just going to be friends with them that want to be friends with me, and then I'll do what they do, and that'll be okay. So this uh, 10 years ago version of me was very fortunate to meet some other people um, that really taught me what community was about. God was looking out for me. So I'm going to discuss two ways um, that community helped me discover who I was. And we'll talk about kind of the transformative version of me that's come about in the last 10 years. Uh, fortunately, both of these examples were rooted in the kind of love that Jesus embodies to us. And uh, they were not only instructional for me, but they were also pictures of how I wanted to act in community with others. So two ideas. The first one is um, the idea of people that really love us well. So the first verse I want to use for that um, is from Philippians. And it's up there. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So that's um, from Philippians chapter 2. It was actually a verse we had read at our wedding. Because I really like this idea of humility and this idea of having the same mindset as Christ. So uh, this first example of community I'm going to talk about in a second is based on that idea of having the same mindset as Jesus. And, and can we do that in how we operate with one another? And does that mean we're being loved well? So what does the mindset of Jesus even look like? That's a good question. So... I have some um, verses that I will not read to you, but if you're a writer, you might jot them down. Um, first one's from James 5.16, and it talks about the idea of being like Jesus, um, meaning to confess and to pray with one another. We're such a lucky body here that that's something that we do regularly. I feel like every time I leave church on Sunday, I look around and I see people doing that, praying with one another, being honest and confessing things that are going on with them. 
And that's a picture of what God's mindset for us looks like. Another one's from Galatians 6.2, and it says to bear one another's burdens. So we have all been in that place, like Chris was talking about this morning, where we just feel like it's not going where we want it to be, where it's not connecting, and, and really being able to find that community where you can bear burdens with one another, where you can have that. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 talks about encouraging one another. It's one of my favorite verses, and it just says we want to encourage the body. We want to be positive with each other. We want to point out each other's strengths. I'm going to give you a specific example of that in a second. And then Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says to love and serve one another, and I think that's really embodied in that Philippians verse as well. That idea of serving one another, of being humble, um, of putting the other person before you, I think I will be honest with you as I talk more about myself this morning that selfishness is something that I run into with myself a lot. Uh, It's hard sometimes to give up what we want. And the true community, the idea of being loved well, means loving and serving one another first. So, like I was saying, this 2004 version of me was uncertain and I was lucky to bump into, by God's grace, somebody that really loved me well. That person's here today. It's my friend Betsy. And there's a uh, slide there, wedding picture number one. Um, Betsy and I met when we were living in the residence halls uh, on the same floor in the same building our first week of college. Ten years later, she was uh, my maid of honor at my wedding. And she was this picture of being loved well to me. Um, She loves me well all the time through many stages in my life in the last 10 years. Um, She listens to me. She prays for me. She extends grace abundantly. She speaks truth. And she doesn't give up easily. I think that's the mindset of Christ Jesus, is I'm not giving up on you. I understand that you've been through tough things. I understand that you don't want to be near me right now because we've all been to that place probably where we're just mad, right? And so that, all those things that Betsy has given to me in the last 10 years in loving me well is a way that she helped me see myself rightly. And that doesn't always mean that she told me I was great. There was times where I was not in a good place and she spoke truth into me. That's the idea of loving well. She embodied those things that God asks us to be for one another. So, not to brag that I have this really great best friend, uh, but in hopes that you would then be looking into your life of who is that person that's going to give me that? Because that part, I think, is not selfish, right? We need that idea of somebody loving us well. That might be your spouse. That might be your friend. Um, When we first started coming to this church about the second week, uh, Sarah Shotwell preached, and she preached on friendship. And she spoke about friends in her life, and that really resonated with me in the way of, wow, I should be examining these friendships in my life and looking for these people that give Jesus to me so that I can be conscious to give that back to them, so that I can be conscious to look for that in other friendships that I have, right? And and to give that to people that aren't Christians, right? And our friendships with people that maybe don't know Jesus, can we give those things to them freely? Can we experience community in that way? So I was able to do that, and I was able to see more clearly who Jesus wanted me to be through all of those things that Betsy modeled to me. So the second one 
Uh, the second idea of this way community can help us see ourselves rightly and what it's given to me is the idea of being pointed to Jesus and seeing God in others. So being loved well by Betsy allowed me to do that. And then there's the idea of, man, that person just shines out Jesus to me. So a verse that uh, I want to connect to that idea for you is one that many of you might know really well from Galatians. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. So it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Who wouldn't want to be around somebody that embodied those things? And I'll be honest with you, I'm intimidated looking at that list, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm thinking, I am not gentle all the time. <laughs> I think my students would say that sometimes. <laughs> I am not always self-controlled. I'm definitely not always patient, but I want those things, and I want to see those in other people, and I want to be around people that compliment me and have those things that I might not always have. So I was lucky enough to get this from somebody that I also had stick around, and that's my husband now, Adam. You might see him sometimes doing announcements. He's the really witty one. He always cracks jokes. He's way funnier than I am. Um, before we were even dating, circa 2006, uh, I was navigating the question of whether we should date at all. It was a complicated, another story that I can tell you at a different time. Um, but I was reading, and I was reading the fruit of the Spirit, and what stopped me in my tracks was this idea that Adam embodied those things better than anyone else I knew. Um, and at that time, he was kind of searching for Jesus and, and what that looked like in his life and what faith meant in his life, and still those things were embodied in him. Um, he continues to be very patient with me. He sees goodness in the broader world in ways that I don't see in a lot of other people. Not just in the Christian world, not just in our marriage, but in the broader world, he looks for goodness and he wants to be goodness in that world. Um, obviously, I married him because he has all those things, so that worked out. Uh, <laughs> but I think witnessing community isn't just about how you're treated, but how one interacts with the greater community. So Betsy's that example for me of somebody that really connected with me personally, showed Jesus to me. Adam shows me Jesus and how he interacts with everybody regularly, all the time. And I think because I was able to see that, I was like, man, I want that. I think that's what brings people to Jesus, is when they see Jesus in us and they're like, something is different here. I want, I want that feeling. I want that in my heart. Um, and we're so fortunate that that's probably when we get to speak Jesus into people. So in these relationships with Adam and Betsy, I was able to see Jesus and therefore become more like him and, and try to figure out how I could put that into myself, which is what he wants for us. Um, they both allowed me freedom. That's what that girl version of me in 2004 was missing, was freedom to be who I was created to be. I was feeling this pressure and this insecurity to be somebody else. And I think Betsy and Adam were models to me of living freely, living in who they were, which made me think, oh, maybe I could do that. They were giving me glimpses of Jesus, and the more I saw him, the more I saw who he wanted me to be, or rather how I could be closer to who he made me. So my perspective started to change. So the question was, what do I want to be? And the question became, what does he want me to be? And 
there's a slide for that, I think, Cam. Oh, there's Adam. There's some pictures of him. He's back there, too. Um, so how do I live as who you made me? Rather than how do I live as, as who I want to be or what fits this culture, it's, well, how do I live as who you made me? So I was surrounded all of the sudden in, in this Christian community. Um, it's experiencing truth and experiencing God. And over these 10 years from 2004 to now, I did a lot of working to find the right answer. So I read more, and I had more quiet times, and I attended more Bible studies, and I prayed more, and I joined more groups, and I earned more. And it took me about till now, I'm probably still learning, that I don't think it's about earning more. I don't think figuring out who we are and engaging in community is about earning more or doing more. It's about believing more. It's about owning the truth that he gives us in his word. Um, I've always really struggled with like the idea of having a quiet time. And I've always felt like really bad about that. Like I'm like, I should probably be sitting down every day and like turning on worship music and opening my Bible and journaling and like 30 minutes and then I'll be good. Like that's my personality is like to-do lists. Um, and to be honest with you, I never do that. <laughs> I have learned that like I experience Jesus in worship music. When Brie plays every Sunday, I almost always get a little weepy because the Mike and Bettys of the world who have these visions and these pictures, that's not me. But man, do sentences in worship music stand out. And praying for me doesn't look like sitting down and thinking and talking it out and then ending with amen. Praying for me now looks like just talking to God while I'm driving or while I'm in the shower in the morning or while I'm laying in bed before I get up to get ready or just talking. It's, it's so different, this idea of doing more versus believing more. And it doesn't mean any of those things are bad. Please don't take that away from this. All of those things being in a Bible study, coming here every Sunday, opening your Bible, all those things are really good. But they need to be coming out of this place, I think, of believing more and owning the truths that he gives us in his word. So here I am, 2014, this very different girl than I was 10 years ago, and learning so much out of relationships that I have with people um, who know Jesus. And, and I'm thinking, well, I have this relationship with Christ. And that's community to me. And I want to be who he made me, and I want to own those things. So I read Psalm 139, which is magnificent. And I'm a fifth grade teacher, so I am assigning you all homework, which is to read Psalm 139. Um, I'm just going to point out some verses from it for you. And the first, very first verse of the psalm says, it's up there, Cam. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And it goes on to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I, I'm sure you've heard I am fearfully and wonderfully made before. A lot of, like, I feel like that's like a verse people put up in their baby nurseries, which is great. Um, but Psalm 139 is attributed to David. Um, it's about the intimate knowledge that God has of us. And it's not intended to be judgmental or condemning this intimate knowledge, because I feel like when someone knows you that well, you're like, oh, you know even the darkest parts of me but it's intended to be protective and helpful. Another translation um, of the I am fearfully and wonderfully made says, I am an awesome wonder. 
And I spend a lot of time with 10-year-olds during the school year. And awesome is a big word to them. The, I'm finding out from them that the equivalent to that now is epic. So um, they try to use epic in their writing all the time. And I always am like, nope, you cannot just tell me that something is epic. But that's basically what it says here, is that you are an epic wonder. Um, you to him are an epic wonder. The truth of this is you have searched me and known me. I don't know about you, but it feels refreshing to me when I hang out with somebody that really knows me. You know, and you don't have to put up any pretense. I remember Shara was talking about that in a message that we listened to. We were gone and we listened to it and Shara was saying these people came and they really knew me. And that's so nice because there's none of that like awkward getting to know you talk. I'm horrible at that. But they just know you. And that's what God's saying is I know you. I've searched you. It doesn't say he has searched us and pointed out our faults. It doesn't say he searched us and found a mistake that he made. It doesn't say he searched us and abandoned us. It doesn't say he searched us and found us unsatisfactory. It says he searched us and knows us and, it's, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, that's empowering. He created us. So the next verse that makes me think of that is, is from Genesis. And it says... God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. And he goes on to say, God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So he made us in his image. He was intentional. The word that kept coming to mind when I was preparing this was intentional. God wanted you to know that I believe that the things about you, God did intentionally. Um, and then he didn't say they were good, he said they were very good. Right? Even, it's even added in there to make an impact. Um, months ago, Chris taught on creation. And Adam, my husband, and I were uh, standing up here as a visual aid as Adam and Eve. Adam and Aaron, Adam and Eve. Some of you might have been here. Um, it was good. It was good stuff. But that uh, sermon, hopefully it's online on our websites, because if you weren't here, you should find it. It changed my whole understanding of the creation story. Because one of the things Chris taught about was that um, God wasn't angry when Adam and Eve sinned. He was bummed. <laughs> he was sad, right? How we are made doesn't excuse the sinful parts of us. Okay? I'm, I don't want you to take that from this either. He didn't, he didn't make a mistake when he made us, but it doesn't excuse the sinful part of us. But I believe that the sins that we do are rooted in beliefs of lies about ourselves. Right? And by reading and really owning these truths about how God made us, we can combat those lies. Right? By believing that we are made intentionally, we get to flee from those insecurities and pressures that I had in 2004. We get to believe that he was being intentional. We get to flee from sin in that way. Um, he didn't say, oh, I made Aaron to be introvert. I made Aaron to be an organizer, which are things that I am. Bummer. I don't think he sat back and said that. I think he said, we, you are made this way because that's how I want you, because you have tools that you're going to give to the world, to somebody, to your students, to your marriage, that are going to be important. We don't get to cheapen, I don't think, what he made by regretting parts of ourselves. I think that's cheapening what he did. If he made us in his own image and, and we regret 
these parts of ourselves, we're cheapening that. We're showing Jesus as an amputee, right? So we get to ask God, I believe, how to view ourselves with clearer eyes. We get to seek out people in community like Adam and Betsy who are going to point out truth to us in ourselves. Um, that idea of I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is good. Oh, there's the next one. Uh, keep going, keep going. Here you go. So that's me, again, throwback picture for you. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't know, when I was really little. I don't even know what year that was. But back then, when I was that young, he, I was still fearfully and wonderfully made. He still had intention for me. There's me at, at our wedding, still with same traits and, and beliefs and just grown, right, closer to him than I was then. I am a planner, I'm a caretaker, I'm an introvert, I am punctual, I'm a thinker, I'm practical, I am not spontaneous, I am not a risk taker, I am not an extrovert, I am not carefree. Those are things that I know to be true of myself, okay? I struggle with the fact that I'm kind of introverted. I know that doesn't match the fact that I decided I was going to sit up here and talk to you today, but... I struggle with the fact that I don't want to talk in large party groups all the time. I'd rather go to coffee with just you and hang out. I struggle with that. Uh, I feel like I should be this more outgoing person. But then I'm, I'm thinking as I'm preparing this and learning about myself through preparing this that that's how he made me. That was intentional. And I get to rejoice in that intentional composition that he gave me. So how do we all individually Live as who he made us. And I think I have one more slide, Kim. Well, we get to find freedom in communing with him and with others. So here's your application. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that about you in Psalm 139. You can find it. I think that you and I have and need to keep building a community that wants to love you well and point you to Jesus. I want you to have a Betsy and an Adam in whatever way that looks to you. Okay? You were made intentionally. I want you to believe that. I want you to speak that truth to yourself. I think I'm going to have to continue to speak that truth to myself. And you get to own the truth that he made you, that he died for you, and that he continues to love you in all of your stages. Um, does that mean we don't worry about how to get better or how to be closer to Jesus? No. Um, new parts of me are developing regularly. I am a newer teacher in my profession. I'm a new wife. One day I hope I'll be a mother. All of those things are going to require continued learning about myself and development. Um, but those truths aren't going to change. He's given me these gifts. He's given you these gifts. And I believe that he's going to use them. I believe that he did that because that's how he made you. And he wants you to live freely in that. The most important thing I've learned about Jesus in my life, I said I wasn't going to drop any like theological knowledge bombs today, but this is it. I just decided. <laughs> that's what my students would call it, knowledge bomb. Um, Epic knowledge bombs. Um, 
The most important thing I've learned about Jesus in my life is that he wants us to live in freedom. Um, is that he wants us to, he, he died on the cross so we could be free. Because he loves us that much. All of those songs that Bree sang today, and we sang today, said he loves you that much. He's, this, uh, the song Oceans, I asked her to play it because it says in it, I am yours and you are mine. He loves you that much. He is yours. You are his. Okay? So, hopefully, what you're seeing through my story and what I hope that you would see is that you get to live freely in who you are and how he made you. That you can be the full version of yourself and engage in community freely in that way. That you can give, not an amputee version of Jesus through you, but a full version.